Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark 5, 18 through 20. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. This is God's word. It's true. And it's given out of his love. You guys can be seated. Amen. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, just to reiterate that, if you are new to church, we would love to have you join us for lunch. You can speak to me or Chad. He's gone. Chad's gone. Talk, talk to me after church, and we will love to get you directions for that. Uh, this morning, we are going to continue a little tradition we've done for the last six years as a church, which is the first Sunday in January. We call it our vision message, and we spend some time talking about uh, what it means for us to be the people God's called us to be in this upcoming year. And this morning, the way we're going to break it down is we're going to kind of do two different sections. One is uh, reflecting on 2018 and what God has done in our hearts as individuals and corporately as a church. Uh, we're going to do that in the beginning, and then we're going to, uh, after that, we're going to uh, talk, refocus for 2019, so we're reflecting and refocusing, and we're going to refocus through the lens of Scripture. We're going to look at that passage Kelly just read and, and see some of the really important things I think God has for us from that passage as we live out who God has called us to be. So what we're going to do in just a second is, is turn to our discussion tables here. Uh, the reason, if you are new, this is your first time here, uh, we sit around tables because we think that we grow most effectively as followers of Christ when we process the truths of God's Word or that our our own experience in community with one another. And so uh, we're going to spend about 10 minutes talking about what happened in our 2018 and how God has showed his faithfulness in that midst of the, that, those years um, and or that last year. Uh, and if you think about it, we are such a, a busy, fast-paced culture. We don't get much time to just pause and talk about what happened in the past and to try to learn from that. Uh, Socrates, the uh, ancient uh, philosopher, is quoted as saying that uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. And, and we go at such a frenetic pace, we don't have any time to examine our own lives. And so we're going to begin just by, by pausing to actually do some examination and to be honest about where uh, we were at this last year and how God ha has shown himself faithful. And then from there, we're going to go through that, that lens of scripture and refocus for 2019. So if you are new, know that uh, anything you feel comfortable or feel led to share at your table, you will, you will be experienced nothing but love from the people at your table, uh, that, that we are all uh, pilgrims on this journey of trying to follow Jesus better. And so you won't be judged or thought of poorly for anything thing that you say. So uh, as we get going out here, are some questions to guide our discussion time. Uh, one, describe a time last year when you could tell in the midst of that that God was working. So if you think about a time where you, you and while you're, while you're going through this scenario, you know God is teaching me something right now. I am experiencing God's mercy and grace in a real way right now. Describe that time and what you learned from it. And then the second question is similar. Describe a time where you can now see in hindsight that God was working in your life. A lot of times when we're in the middle of the storms in particular, we, we wonder where God is at. And it's only after we have gone through that that we see how God has, has used that experience to grow us. So, so what we're doing right now is just going to spend a few minutes examining our lives. You know, the, the unexamined life is not worth living, and God has given each of us a life that, that is incredibly important and worth living and learning all that God has for us. So uh, one of the benefits of being a part of a Christian community is God has given us each other to help interpret our story through the lens of the gospel. So as we go to these tables, uh, know that that's what our job is with each other. So I'm going to say a word of prayer over our time of discussion, and then we're going to go from there. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence with us this morning and the fact that we, as your people, can gather and we can process what it means to, to look at our story, to, to look at our last year through the lens of the gospel and know that, that you have been working in our lives 
God, even those times that you felt furthest from us, Lord, we know that you were doing a deep work in our hearts. And I pray that as we open up with one another, that as uh, our, our vulnerability is expressed, that we would experience your love and the, and the love of the, your people at these tables. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's do that for eight to ten minutes, and then we'll get into the word. All right. Let's bring it back in. hope those discussions went well. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that we are actually going to end our time this morning uh, with a little bit um, more time back at our tables. We're going to spend a few minutes in prayer at our tables. We're going to have one volunteer from each table uh, say a prayer to wrap things up. So we'll go back to those tables in a little bit for prayer specifically. Uh, but I also forgot to mention that after that time of prayer, we have a special treat this morning. Uh, Colin Rayburn, one of the missionaries we support in Paris, has made the, the trip to church this morning from Paris. So if you drove a long way... For church, uh, he came further than you did, I bet. Uh, but so we're going to hear a little bit of a testimony from him of how God has been using their ministry and how we can pray for and support them. And on most of your tables, there should be these little uh, prayer cards that you should take home with you as a reminder to pray for Colin and Cindy and their children. So we will hear that in a little bit. Um, thanks for being willing to share at your tables to process those questions. Uh, what you just did, I think most Americans will not have that in-depth of a reflection on their lives the entire year. And so starting off this way by being vulnerable like that, I hope you experience the grace of Jesus at your table and know that that reflection time is a powerful tool that God uses to, to, to show us his faithfulness in our past. Um, and, and if you're uh, familiar with any investments or at least watch TV commercials like I do, they always say that uh, when it comes to investing, past performance is no guarantee of future results. Uh, when it comes to Jesus' faithfulness, his past faithfulness is the guarantee of our future hope. And so when you look back on your 2018 and you see these glimpses of Jesus' faithfulness, that is the deposit for our future hope that one day uh, th th this mess of a world will be uh, completely renewed and the, the recreation that he does at the end of time and we can look forward to that with great hope. So um, like I mentioned a little bit ago, every January we do this vision sermon. And so if you were here two years ago in 2017, we, we introduced what was our kind of our vision statement. It's on the sign out front in the hallway. And it's this idea of we want to be a place where you can experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. And as we prayed about it, we asked, you know, how, how has God most clearly used our church in the past? And, and what we, we felt was that, that the way God has used us to draw people to himself is when we love people and love each other really well and such in such a way that it points people to the love of Jesus. And so, so that is our heartbeat. That's our goal, is that every time you interact with Missio or any one of our, our discipleship collectives or anything that we're doing, that you would experience the love of Jesus through the love of his people. And what we, we prayed about and realized last year for 2018's vision statement is that this, this idea of loving people and experiencing Jesus' love, that is only going to happen really well if we are a mature body of Christ. If we, are, if we are, as a group of people, if we are growing in our faith, if we are maturing. And so last year, we had this verse, Colossians 1.28, that says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so our, our theme was maturing in Christ. And that's not really just a, a theme for 2018. That's something we always need to be pursuing as followers of Christ. It is growing in maturity. And what, uh, what psychologists will tell you is that as far as stages of human development goes, the most basic stage of developing and maturing is being able to take care of yourself the next stage after that is being able to care for other people. And then finally, a fully mature and functioning adult is able to care for themselves and for other people. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what we wanted this last year to be, was a time of, of growing in our faith, of maturing together, so that we can then care for other people. Okay, maturity should always lead to mission. 
If we are maturing as a body of Christ, we're going to be caring not only for ourselves looking inward, but we're also going to be looking outward and caring for people who don't yet know Jesus. And so that, that's the reason why we have this name, Missio Dei. If you're new, Missio Dei is not Spanish. We're not the uh, Latino church in town as much as we love Latinos. Uh, but Missio Dei is Latin, and it means the mission of God. And the theme we're trying to get with that name is that God is in the process of saving people. Okay, God is drawing people to himself, and out of his love, he graciously invites us into that process, into the mission that he has for us. And so, so if you've been around here for a while, we talk about mission all the time because it's so important for us to love people who don't yet know Jesus with gospel intentionality. And so when you talk about mission or evangelism, a lot of times it makes people nervous. But that phrase I just used, that, that's how we've been defining mission. When we want us to all see that mission is a very simple thing. Okay, it's not complicated at all. It's loving people who don't know Jesus with gospel intentionality. It's extending Jesus' love. It's showing them the grace and mercy that he has shown us. It's directed towards people who don't yet know Jesus. So when we love each other that are other Christians, that's called community, and community is a beautiful thing. But when we love people who don't yet know Jesus, that is outward focus. That's, that's mission. That's trying to, to see people far from Jesus come to know Jesus. And it's not just doing nice things for them. It's loving people with gospel intentionality. It's trying to show them how the kindness that you are extending to them is because of the kindness Jesus has shown us. It's helping them interpret their own story through this idea of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. It's his unmerited favor for us is resting in who he is. That's what it means for us to be on mission. And so that, that's a pretty simple thing. Okay, loving people who don't know Jesus with gospel intentionality. And so if that's all that mission is, we don't really need to be taught how to go on mission as much as we need to be encouraged to go do what we know we're supposed to be doing already. So this morning and for this, this upcoming year for 2019, our prayer is that this would be an ongoing encouragement where we take, I think this concept this morning is, is again, very simple. It's not complicated at all, but, but this little tool we're going to talk about is the easiest and the best way to go on mission. And, and all that it is, is, is when you're, you're with people, you're proclaiming to them what Jesus has done for you. Okay, so, so what we want the 2019 to be about is about proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us. And we get this theme from this passage that Kelly just read a little bit ago. So if you want to turn your Bible to Mark chapter 5, that's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, next week we will be back in the Gospel of John, continuing our series there. But for now we're in Mark chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, the Table Bibles is page 840. And this story is super powerful. So I'm going to read the first 17 verses of this just real quickly. There's a lot of stuff I wish we could get into in more depth, but uh, this morning we're going to really zero in on those verses 18 through 20. And again, think, think of this as the, through the lens of what it means for us to be a body of Christ that, that is on mission, and, and being on mission being proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us. Mark chapter 5, beginning verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. 
And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and to the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So again, there's so much going on here that we, we could talk about. The idea of, of slavery, of sin, the bondage that Satan brings to people who don't know Jesus. Uh, we could talk about uh, the, the irony that these people are more worried about their business loss than they are about the fact that this man had been freed from this horrible torment of, from demons. We could talk about all the, the bacon that went to waste and how big a shame that was. But instead, again, I want us to zero in on these last verses. Listen to this closely. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay, that's where we're getting this idea of, of proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us. And what I hope we're going to see this morning is that this command is not just for this man who went, uh, was freed from demon possession. This task of proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us is the task of every Christian. If you are a follower of Christ, you are, have been equipped and you have been commissioned to go tell other people what Jesus has done for you. So I want to I just look at this. We're going to pick out several different words and we're going to draw from there some themes from other parts of Scripture that really help us see how important this is. The first thing that I noticed that stands out is that this guy wants to follow Jesus, but it says Jesus did not permit him. Okay, and it's a really natural thing. If you think about the bondage that this man had experienced and Jesus had freed him from this, the most natural thing is to say he wants to just go hang out with Jesus. So the disciples and Jesus are traveling around the country. He's like, I want to be part of that crew. Let me go do that. But instead of being a part of that crew and following Jesus, Jesus saved him so he could send him. Okay, and that's always the way that Christianity works. Jesus saves us so he can send us. If you are afraid of being on mission, of telling people about Jesus, there is no such thing in the Bible as a non-missional Christian. Okay, God commissions all of us to do the ministry of proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us. There's, there's the Great Commission, the last verses of Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then there's, in, in the book that we're studying in John, John, Jesus says a similar thing. He says in John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So just as Jesus was sent to earth to bring good news to people lost in darkness, God has now sent us to do the same message, to proclaim the good news of Jesus to people lost in darkness, proclaim to others what Jesus has done for us. Okay, he saves us in order to send us. And, and look at where he sends this man. Okay, this is fascinating. It says he sent him and said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Okay, a lot of times when we talk about evangelism or mission, we think about doing something like Colin and Cindy did, of moving across the world and then going, crossing oceans to go tell people about Jesus. But what Jesus commissions this man to do is to go to his own home, to his own neighbors, and proclaim the good news of what Jesus had done to him to his neighbors. And in the Bible, neighbors is nothing complex. Okay? It's, it's people that you have proximity with. It's people that are close to you. So, so your neighbors are certainly your, your friends, your coworkers, your family, uh, but let's not forget the most important neighbor that God has given you. It's your physical neighbors. 
Okay, it's not just your physical neighbors, but it is certainly your physical neighbors. And one of the other themes we want to emphasize this upcoming year is how important it is for us to love the neighbors that God has put in our lives. Okay, let's look at um, Acts 17 together. It says, and he made, talking about God, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. That God has divinely orchestrated the boundaries of our dwelling place. Okay, your physical address is not just a collection of numbers. It's a divine mission assignment. God gave you physical neighbors so that you could proclaim to them what Jesus has done for you. Okay, and it, it, mission is, is beyond just our physical neighbors, but that's the most basic place to start. And that's where we want to continue to encourage everyone this year is saying, are you proclaiming to Jesus or proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for you? And are you doing that with your physical neighbors? There, there's, this, there's this book called The Art of Neighboring that has this uh, tic-tac-toe board we've showed before. And, uh, and we want to get this out there more. You should be getting this in an email this week if you're on the church email list. But, but what this is, is it just says, every one of us has people that live next to us, across the street from us, and behind us. It doesn't matter if you live on 40 acres or if you're in an apartment building, we all have physical neighbors. But, but how many of those eight squares, how many of us could even list the name of the people in those different boxes? Okay, so, so that's what point A is there. Do you know the names of your neighbors? If you don't know someone's name, how in the world can you love them with gospel intentionality? Okay, and then the next point, point B, what are you supposed to fill in there? It says, what's one other fact about this person that you would only know from having a conversation with them? Okay, what do they do for a living? What are their hobbies? How, are they married? How long have they been married? Where, where do their grown children live? Something like that. Do you know them well enough to know other facts like that? And then the last and the most important part, the line C there, is how are you praying for them? Okay, what is the particular area of brokenness in their life that Jesus needs to come and make whole? Okay, and if we can fill that out completely, that's when we know that we are a church who is proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us. Okay, we're living our lives with such gospel intentionality that the people around us are blessed by the fact that Jesus is in our lives. Okay, that's the kind of, of life we want to be known for as a church. We want to be known as, as the church in town that does a phenomenal job of blessing and loving our neighbors. Okay, it's such a, a simple task, such a simple assignment, but it's something that I struggle with personally, and we, we all struggle to, to leave our garage door open long enough to actually cross the street and meet our, meet our neighbors. Okay, but that's our prayer this upcoming year, that, that we would be known more and more for doing that. Look at what it, how it describes the people that this man in Mark is, is going to witness to. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Okay, I, I love that concept. It is a, Jesus is assuming that this man has a relationship with his neighbors to the point that they are actually friends, that, they, that, he, that they, he can care for them and show them the grace of Jesus because of their relationship. And so whenever we start talking about mission, I love the, the thing that always comes to mind is people are like, well, I'm not really a, a social person. Okay, I, I'm, I'm more of an introvert. Uh, my wife is much better at meeting people than I am. I don't think this mission thing really applies to me. And then I, I love the, the fact that he says, he tells this guy, go home to your friends. And so if, if you're saying you're an introvert and you're afraid of talking to people, uh, well, for, I mean, I was homeschooled, so I know all about social awkwardness, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> but I love the fact that this is saying, Jesus says, go home and tell your friends. So if you're too afraid to talk to people, what you're saying is this guy, who lived for years in a cave by himself, was possessed by thousands of demons, and was, was, was lived such brokenness that he was screaming and cutting himself with stones, you're saying that guy has more social skills than you do if you're afraid to go home to your friends. Okay? And, and that, like, the, the joke aside, like, the truth is, 
A lot of times the reason we don't tell our friends what Jesus has done for us isn't because we're socially awkward. It's not because we're introverted. It's because we don't want to feel like a salesman. Okay, we, we don't want to feel like the multi-level marketing. We're like, oh, doTERRA's not working out? How would you like to be in my Jesus downstream multi-level marketing sales? Yeah, but, like, but we're not, we're not selling anything. Okay, what is mission? It's loving people who don't know Jesus with gospel intentionality. Okay, if you love someone, they will never feel like a project. Okay, the reason we feel weird when we're talking about Jesus isn't because Jesus is weird. It's because we're not doing a good enough job of loving the people that God has put in our lives. Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2. It says, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And that's such an important verse. Are your neighbors so dear to you that you're willing not only to proclaim what Jesus has done for you, but you're willing to give of your very self? You're actually going to love them in a way that is sacrificed. If you're not having to make any sacrifices, you're not actually loving someone. Okay? And that's the challenge for all of us, is to, to love people the way that Jesus loves us. The next thing we see from this passage in Mark, it says that he's to go home to his friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And that, that, that phrase, how he has had mercy on you, is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus had extended his mercy to this person to the point that he had freed him from the bondage and the slavery of demon possession. But in the, and, and if you think about it, every one of us, if you are a follower of Christ, we have a universal experience of mercy. You, you cannot be a Christian and not have experienced the mercy of Jesus. But we also each have a unique experience of mercy. So if you look at uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, uh, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, if you are a follower of Christ, you have experienced the mercy of Jesus and you're in this exact same position that this guy is where you can take that mercy and go proclaim to others what Jesus has done for you. Okay, but, but our unique experiences of, of mercy, a lot of times we don't know ourselves or know our story, know our last year well enough to be able to pinpoint where Jesus has shown us his mercy. Okay, do you understand, could you proclaim to someone the unique ways that Jesus has shown you mercy? Not, not just, yeah, Jesus is merciful because he died on the cross for our sins. Like, yeah, that's very true. But how has Jesus shown you mercy? Okay, what, what happened in my life last year that was a unique expression of Jesus' mercy on me? Can I proclaim that to people around me? Uh, I was listening to a podcast this week, and there was a, a guy named Joe Novenson who put it this way. He says, everyone must learn to be a steward of themselves. We are all either stewards of ourselves or we are victims of ourselves. And if we are victims of ourselves, those closest to us will become victims of us, and the shock waves will go out. Okay, God has, has used your life experience, all of your, your talents and skills that he has blessed you with, all of your background experiences, all of your triumphs, all of your trials and pain, all of that stuff God has poured into your life to give you a unique expression of his mercy. Do you know how to steward your own story, to understand your own past well enough that you can take that and you, you can bless other people with it? Because if, you, if you're not stewarding yourself, you're a victim of yourself. You're a victim of your own experiences, and then those around you will become victims of you because of your pain. That's, that's what it means for us to steward our own experiences. But the last thing we see here is that we are to proclaim what Jesus has done to us. Okay, and says, so this man, after being healed from all the demon possession, says he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay, that word proclaim in Greek means to preach. 
So what Jesus is doing is this guy, this guy is going throughout all of the cities around his area where he, he grew up, all of his neighbors and his friends, and he is preaching to them the good news of the mercy that Jesus has shown him. Okay, the, the, as Christians, we are all called to be preachers of the gospel. We are all called to be heralds, to proclaim what it is that God has done for us. And, and I love the difference between proclamation and just repeating. Because a lot of times, the reason that, that when we try to share our faith with people, the reason it falls, falls flat is we're not actually sharing our faith. We're not sharing the unique experience of mercy we've had. We're sharing a generic faith, a generic expression of mercy. You, you can repeat the gospel to someone without have, it ever having touched you. But if you proclaim it to someone, it means it has worked its way deep into your heart. And the overflow of it, that proclamation, that sermon that you are giving them, is nothing that you're just repeating. You're not telling someone else's news. You're telling your own story of how the good news has uniquely shaped your life. Okay, the, uh, the psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 71. It says, Oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Okay, our, our generational mission is to be heralds, to be people proclaiming the mercy of Jesus to those who don't yet know him, proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us. And so if, if you think about how I started off talking about our 2017 vision statement, like that came because we said, as a church, we do a good job of loving people. Okay, God has blessed us with a strong community where we can really show love and grace to people very naturally. I think these tables really help us uh, exemplify that. And so, so if you ask someone, what is Missio known for? A lot of it's gonna be, we're known for being a, a very welcoming and friendly church. Okay, but, but our prayer, my prayer, I hope all of our prayer is that this upcoming year, we would be known not just as a church that loves people well, but as a church that is defined by proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for us. May we all experience the mercy of Jesus in such a unique way that it overflows from us and we, we extend that grace to other people. Um, a lot of times, the reason we, we, we shy from our own unique experiences is because we look at stories like this and we're like, well, yeah, if Jesus personally cast out 2,000 demons from me, I'd be willing to tell that story too. But the interesting thing is if you look at this story in Mark and then other places where the gospel is presented, there is no difference between what we're all called to do. So let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, whether or not you lived in a cave by yourself, possessed by demons, you were in the exact same boat as that guy. You, you are, if you're not on team Jesus, you're on team Satan. You, you're, you're on in the, with the enemy opposing Jesus. That is all of us before we meet Jesus. We're in that verses one through three there. But then verse four comes in and says, but God being rich in mercy. Okay? But God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So just like Jesus came into that person's life and he showed his grace, when that guy did nothing to earn freedom from bondage, it was only Jesus' mercy extended to him. And that's the same thing that's true for all of us if you follow Jesus. You did not earn God's favor. It was his mercy that he extended to you. You're in the exact same boat as that guy in the cave. It says, uh, and God raised us from, uh, with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So did you catch that? The, that the man, after the demons were cast out, he was seated and in his right mind. 
And in the same way, if you are a follower of Christ, you are seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. Your soul is secure with him because of his grace. Uh, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he, he saves us to send us. God has given us good works to do. He's given us a mission to go proclaim to others what Jesus has done for us. And whether you were a demon-possessed man living in a cave or whether you grew up in a Christian home and you, you accepted Jesus at a young age, you're in the exact same boat where you were a servant of the devil, but you've now been freed. Okay, it's the grace of Jesus that came into your life. You're now seated with him in the heavenly realms and you've been given this mission to go proclaim to others what Jesus has done for us. And the thing, if I'm honest, as I was processing this this week, is the, the stories that most come to mind for me when I say, what, what am I going to proclaim to my neighbors? My, my stories are all several years old. In some instances, the first story that comes to mind happened to me 15 years ago. And, and that, that's, that's true. It was an example of God's mercy. I don't want to undermine that experience that happened to me such a long time ago. But I also want to say, my heart needs to break that I would have a fresh expression of God's mercy in my life that I can take to my neighbors. Okay? May we not be living on last year's blessings. May we earnestly long for God to show his faithfulness this year. Hey, I, I wish I had some story up here to tell you of, how, of God's mercy recently that I could just proclaim in some awesome story of how God used my faithfulness. But the truth is, I need to be broken, and I need to long for that much more than I do. Uh, and, and the convicting thing for me was I was reading a, a Facebook post uh, from one of our sisters here in church, Ashley, um, who, who lost her son a couple years ago. Um, and reading her post, it wrecked me. Because it was such a powerful demonstration of what we're talking about. And just realizing the way that she is leading me in this example of proclaiming to others what Jesus has done for her. And so um, I asked her permission, and I'm just going to share a little bit of what she put on Facebook. But she was talking about her experience, and she said, I am broken, I am shattered, I am a mess. I am all over the place emotionally, I shut people out, I am just broken. But God... Let me tell you about the living and loving, wonderful God I serve. Let me tell you about the joy and the strength and the depth of love that comes from knowing him. And I read that and I thought, yes, Jesus, may that be all of us. May, may we be, be broken over our past and may we bring that brokenness to people and say, I am a mess, but God. Let me tell you about the Jesus I serve. Let me tell you about him and the mercy that he has shown me and the way that I can extend that mercy to other people. And so instead of just me praying to close for us, because I don't want this just to be something of a, a little talk with a little idea and we're leaving it. This needs to be a, a vision for us as a church. This needs to be something that we are together leaning into and saying, we all want this to be our stories in 2019. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to our tables here for the next five minutes and anyone who is bold enough to pray at your table, just pray that God would use his mercy in our lives. We have a little thought of, of how to maybe shape your prayer. But just, I'm going to just set the timer for five minutes. If it's just silent and awkward and, and no one prays, that's fine. Just pray in the quietness of your heart. But if you feel bold to, to pray for our church and for our lives and for our community, would you join us in praying this prayer for our, our church and our community? And then we will we'll wrap up this morning. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you hear our prayers, uh, that as we bring these requests to you, that, that you are a good Father who not only hears us and understands us, but you, but you answer our prayers when we come to you. And I pray that, th that this request would come from a, a heartfelt, broken need for you, that we would all long for fresh experiences of your mercy, not, not new revelations of who you are, God, because we know who you are from your word. But I pray that that truth would be applied to our lives in unique ways this year, that we would experience your love in such a way that, that we can't help but overflow with proclamation to others because of what you have done for us. I pray that our community would be known as a place that is so willing and eager to talk about what it means to follow you and, and what you have done in our lives. And I pray that through that proclamation that you would draw many people to yourself. God, I pray that our mission would not be for our own egos or for our own brand or anything selfish, but it would be out of this, this heartfelt desire to love people who don't know you. And may they experience that love uh, from you working through us this year. And may you continue to work in our community. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks everyone for being willing to do that. That, that can be awkward at times to, to pray in a group. I know some people don't feel comfortable with that, but again, it, it's, it, talking to our Heavenly Father is a good thing, and it's such a good thing to ask for His mercy like that. So I want to mention a little bit ago is now that we uh, have a time to hear from our, our brother Colin, who, who's in uh, Paris. So if you want to come on up, Colin, uh, he and his wife Cindy have been there for a uh, little over two years now. Um, and I love the, as I was preparing for this, the thought of like mission is, is loving your neighbors with gospel intentionality. And so a missionary like Colin is just someone who, who goes and finds new neighbors. Like he moved all the way to Paris to find a new group of neighbors to love with gospel intentionality. And they're doing oh, such really, a great yeah. job of, of all of that. And I was I didn't where the microphone went, sorry. Um, so uh, yeah, so he's just gonna share with us a few minutes of God's faithfulness in their ministry and how we can pray for him. So here's Colin. Is it working? No, yes. Yes, there it is. All right, sweet. Um, yeah, so um, I'm a millennial, confessionally, so I'm going to use my phone as notes. Um, but, wow, there's a lot of you. Okay, we can do this. Um, this church is really profound for my family and I. So we, um, we have three churches that are uniquely special to us. Um, the first one is a church called Sojourn in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, they really taught me to love the Lord. That's where I learned to love the Lord. Uh, the second church is the Village Church in uh, Dallas, and they taught me to really strive after the character of the Lord. Um, and then a few years ago, we found you guys, Missy O'Day, Falcon, um, and you guys continually teach us to rest in the Lord um, and to find comfort in what he's doing. And so today was no exception. And truly the, the verse that you guys just went through is remarkable because this is my aim, is to go home to tell uh, your friends um, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has uh, had mercy on you. Um, and so that's my aim in this. It's just to relay God's um, kindness to our family, to our church um, in the past couple of years. And so with that, um, we are, my wife and I, um, we are your representatives to the people and the church of France. So we have been sent out there um, as your missionaries. And so our aim is to proclaim the gospel and help um, a church called Eglise Connexion. A few months ago, um, there was a guy named Jason Procopio who came as a guest preacher. You guys remember him? Yeah. Um, he is my boss. And so I'm with that same church. Um, and so, um, yeah, and so about two years ago, you guys sent us out, um, and we spent the first year, I was in language school, my wife was a French professor, um, and you think that I'd have some better skills with that, but it turns out when she tries to teach me French, we get in fights, 
Um, so I had to go to language school, and so I spent the first year there, and then this past January, a year ago right now, I started um, something called a pastoral residency. And so I am the pastoral resident at Eglise Connexion in Paris, um, and I spent the first year trying to figure out what am I good at, what am I, what am I naturally drifting towards, and what I landed on was groups. Um, so I became the group's pastoral resident. And so um, since then, um, for the past year anyway, Cindy and I, my wife and I, have been learning what our roles are, what we're doing. Uh, so kind of like what was said here before, uh, we showed up and we, we didn't really know what we were doing. We knew that the Lord had put it on our heart and uh, we showed up truly as messes and we've been kind of fumbling our way through it. Um, the Lord has just had continued kindness on us. And so um, my wife in particular, um, by the way, she couldn't be here today. It turns out our kids do not travel 6,000 miles well. Um, and so we just decided to, let's leave them at the grandparents' house. I don't think they can make this other trip. Um, and so they're down there. And so my wife couldn't make it today, but she sends her greetings and uh, her appreciation for you guys. Um, and so what she, turns out she's really good at, is she's a community missionary. Um, it's just really where she thrives. And so she um, hosts a lot of get-togethers with uh, mothers within our community. We have, that's Theo there and Kaya. Theo's three years old and Kaya's seven months old. And so Kaya was born in France and the mayor's office said she's a French citizen. I don't know if that's true or not. We gotta get to the bottom of that. Um, and then Theo was born here in the States. But so Theo started school and that has been a huge avenue of success for um, us, missionally speaking, uh, because it is remarkable how much mothers and fathers want community and how much they're locked in their apartments or their homes. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Um, yeah, so it's been great, and so that she's seen a lot of success in that. And then she's become a um, kind of a mentor. Well, not kind of. She is a mentor within our church in kind of a women's ministry role. And so she's teaching women uh, what it means to plant churches, what it means to be a part of church plants, what it means to uh, be even theologically uh, minded and teaching. Um, and then she's also teaching women just to be godly. And so that's really her role. See, I sat down my notes, so we'll never know what we're going to get. Um, and then me personally, um, as I said, I drift towards groups. Just like Missio Dei, there's actually a lot of similarities between Eglise Connexion and Missio Dei. Uh, so we do not own property. In Paris, it's outrageously expensive. Uh, we live in a 600-square-foot apartment, which cost those who own the apartment, cost them 650,000 uh, euros for 600 square feet. So let that sink in. Now try to have a church in that area. So we rent a space um, just like you guys do here. And so groups are our primary avenue um, of church. And so I am the resident over that. And so I design um, study material, um, kind of church leadership direction, um, as well as uh, evangelization training. Um, and so that, that is my role. Now, why we're here in particular um, is to really give you that recap. So two years ago, you sent us out, and we just want you to know what we've been doing, just the success that the Lord has given our church. So four years ago, our church planted, we were at four people. Um, and so this past, just, yeah, last Sunday, we, um, we just hit 200, um, which is significant for a, a Christian population of, I think we just hit 1.2% nationwide. Um, and so that, that constitutes a 30-person church is a mega church, and we just hit 200. We fluctuate between 170 and 200, and it's just because the Lord is continually blessing this community for people who want to know the Lord, people who are eager to know the Lord. And you guys, if you know anything about France, you know that France is hostile towards religion. Um, they, so Theo just had to start school this past year uh, because uh, the presidency decided that we need to combat um, homegrown religion, um, specifically homegrown terrorism. And so to do that, all children have to start school the year they turn three to kind of instill secularism. 
um, is, the, is the idea. And so that's the culture we're walking into. But we like to encourage everyone that they are not opposed to the gospel. And clearly that's shown through the growth of the church, is these people are eager to know the gospel. Um, and so it's just going really, really well um, as a whole. And so um, we just are here celebrating our first major landmark. Um, so we've left two years ago. For tax laws, we have to show up after the fifth year there. So we'll be back year six, which makes this our halfway marker. And so we have had a halfway marker of our first stint, and it's been crazy successful. Um, and we are just so appreciative of what you guys have done. You have sent us out. You are a part of this uh, ministry um, and really a sister church of Iglesia Conexión. And so uh, with that... We're here just to kind of connect with you guys. We are your uh, representatives there, and you guys have grown quite a bit since the last time we were here. And so we just wanted to show up and introduce ourselves to all of you new people, everyone who wants to take part in missions, um, specifically in France and in Europe. And so um, I will be in the back, and I just want to meet you guys. That's what I'm here for. Um, and so we just want you to continue to take a part of what we're doing. Um, and so essentially when we left, this is kind of a cool story. So the question is, how did we get to know you guys? Um, so we are with an organization called Greater Your Mission. Has anyone heard of them? Okay, awesome. They're just down the street, so I was hoping for more, but I guess we are focused in Europe, so it's, that's fine. Um, so about six years ago, uh, my wife and I started down the path to France. We, we just had a heart to see churches planted in France, and we came across a couple named the Oteros, who at the time, Jeff was a elder at our church in Dallas. Um, now, what was it, three years ago you guys moved here? Yep, so three years ago, they moved up here the same time we were coming up here for some training uh, to all to be missionaries. And uh, they said that they found a cool church that they, are, um, they have the desire to be a part of. It might be their new home church. And since we were in town, would you want to come check it out? So that, yeah, I'm always eager to see new church plants since that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and so we came, and it's remarkable that when we came in, you guys are not only um, – in connection and supporting a church plant in Paris where we're going, it was the very church plant that just offered us a residency um, for pastoral residency. And so you just see clearly the Lord at work in that. And um, I'll never forget, so I, I met uh, Colbert and I guess some of the elders at the time, and um, they, uh, I told them, hey, this is crazy. I'm going to this church that you guys pray for. I think it was every Wednesday, was it? on the prayer calendar. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm going to this church. This is crazy. And they said, oh, great. Let's, uh, let's get together and talk about your ministry. And so we, at the time, we were building up our finances. And um, so I got, I put on my professional hat and I was, I was going to do really good at this, uh, this little interview, I guess. And so we got on Skype and um, I started waiting for this kind of natural segue into what I wanted to talk about. And they gave it to me perfectly and I nailed it. And we just went forward. And I got about, I think, maybe one slide in, and Colbert says, wait, 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 hold on, man. I just want you to know, we, we already started supporting you. We just want to know how we can pray for you. I was like, oh, dang, okay, um, all right. And so just from that moment on, you guys have been so special, with, uh, special to us because you are the church that not only reminded us that the Lord is sovereign, he's working over everything we're doing, and even though we can't see it, he is at work making crazy connections. I met the Oteros on a Facebook post, I think, that said, hey, we have a heart for uh, France, and we want to see churches plant there. Is there anyone else out there who has that same desire? And they replied, and then we just visit them here, and boom, here you guys are. And so the Lord is always at work in all of these things. Um, and so we are just eternally grateful for you guys. And just so you guys know, I told Colbert this last night, we were at 90% when we uh, met you guys, and you guys put pushed us over the top and actually sent us out. I think you're supposed to have one sending church. I don't know the rules. We have two. You guys, you guys are half of them. And we are just really grateful for you guys. And let's see if I am anywhere on my notes. Um, 
Okay, and so this is kind of the last part. What is our grand desire for you guys? Um, you guys, like I said, are very, very special to us. And we have seen that the Lord has gifted us in a very specific way, is connecting churches. That is our gifting. It sounds like a strange gift, but the church is a universal church, right? The capital C church. And you guys are in connection with, at least Connexion, as church connection is what that means. Um, and you guys are already in connection to that, but we have the desire to continually bring you guys actually to the church physically. So how, how many people in here have been to Paris? Yeah, a good number of you guys. How many have the desire to go to Paris? That's right. More hands. More hands. Come on. All right. And so our desire is for when you guys come, whether it's on vacation or intentionally a short-term trip, we want you guys to come visit us, to meet the church, to be a part of this sister church that you guys have, because you guys are remarkably similar. And it's, I've actually, confessionally, I've taken a lot of what you guys do, and I've implemented it. So when I say I've had a lot of success in my job, it's, it's because I'm stealing what you guys have done. And so um, we're just grateful for that. And uh, for the last, last thing, again, I want to meet you guys. Um, I just want to know you guys. I want you to know us. We are your representatives. You guys do support us. And so I want you to meet us. Um, so I will be in the back. But last thing, for our financial partners, past, present, and future, since this is the halfway marker, we have a gift for you guys to commemorate this. And so I'll be standing back somewhere in a designated area. Over there. Um, so I'll be over there. And I just want to meet you guys. If you guys are a supporter of us, come get your gift. I have... 17 more. If you guys want to be committed to church planting in France, um, even financially, you guys can come get your gift, whatever that looks like. We just want to continually push church planting in France before you because, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but in Paris, Paris, the city of Paris, 42 square miles, there are over 100 different people groups from all over the world. Um, and so the whole world is at our doorstep there. In our home group, uh, we have a home group that meets in our house. There are eight nationalities represented just in our home group. There's only 15 people. And so it's incredible just the amount of people that God is bringing. You guys know that there's more refugees anywhere in the world, or in the world right now than any time in human history. So many of them are in France because that is the bastion of human, um, what am I trying to think of? Uh, just human protection, human rights. The Declaration of Human Rights written in France. It's on display in Paris. That's where we are. And so we welcome all nations there, and they're all coming there. Um, and so we have an ability to plant churches in France that actually is a two-step process to pushing churches to the ends of the earth. Um, I have a picture of it. I'd love to show you guys, but I forgot. Um, my wife is teaching um, a girl theologically who wants to help plant churches in Madagascar because she f came from Madagascar. She did her education in France, and now she's going back to Madagascar, and she wants to know what, what is a church? What does a church look like? How do I help build churches. Um, and so that is our focus. And so I don't know if I went over eight minutes, but boom, there you go. Um, we are very thankful for you guys. And again, I'd love to meet you. So please don't leave without at least saying hi. Awesome. Thanks, man. So just stay up here. So, so yeah, so if um, those prayer cards at your table, make sure you take one of those so you can pray for Colin and Cindy. Um, and also, just so you know, the, the, the offering box in the back, anytime you give to the church financially, a portion of that goes to the ministry in France. There's a little note on the bulletin that says 15% of everything we receive goes to the mission of God outside of our walls and Colin and Cindy. And then the, we support them specifically, but then also the church in general, uh, the Iglesia Connexion as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for, for Colin here. And if you guys want to stand up, actually, we're, we're going to wrap up our service the same way we do every week, which is in responding to 
to what God has done for us, and we respond in worship. And we can worship through uh, uh, singing to Jesus, through taking communion. Uh, uh, c- communion is this tangible representation of the mission of God in action, of Jesus being sent to the earth for his body to be broken for us, his blood to be shed for us. Uh, if you would like prayer under the, the basketball hoop under here, there'll be a couple there who would like to pray for you. Um, and, and I'm going to pray for Colin, and then we will end our time with communion and worship. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Colin and Cindy and for all of uh, the church there at Iglesia Conexión and the way that you are using them to draw people to yourself. Lord, I pray that this morning we would see that this idea of proclaiming your goodness is something that is, is so integral to as a church that, that the, the connection between us and, and the church in Paris is, is a natural one because we are a part of one body, the body of Christ. And I pray that you would encourage Colin and Cindy in their work, that they would feel your love in a very special way, that their children would grow up loving you and so grateful for the way you have called them to this faithful act of mission, uh, mission work in France. I pray that this upcoming year that they would see fresh demonstrations of your mercy and that many people would experience that grace in a very fresh and powerful way. Keep our hearts knit close together despite the distance that we would continue to work to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, as we worship you now through the partaking of communion, I pray that this would be a, a tangible reminder of your goodness and your love for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.